0: Hello and welcome Dear listeners to the Odd Job Pod, um, I hope you have got yourself a nice glass of wine poured. Please do not, if you are drinking red wine, have it with fish. That would just be asking for trouble. Yes, we are into the next stage of our appreciation of the Connery Bonds. We last episode we did Doctor No, revisited a film that potentially um, we haven't done for a while and reassessed it with fresh eyes we now move on to from Russia with Love. And um, I don't think we're necessarily looking at this film with fresh eyes, given how much we we watched it all. and how many times we've watched as well, although not as many times as I've watched Die Another Day. Please pray for my soul. Um, as ever, I am joined by Terry DeFallin and Graham Sibley. Um, gentlemen, how are you? Are you hoping that you will still be alive by the time that No Time to Die is released?
1: <laughs> well, uh, I, I am over 50 now, Gary, so uh, I'm not that confident. But hey, I'm meant to be getting the vaccine in a couple of months, so, so maybe that'll help me see me through to to when it finally gets released sometime approaching the 22nd century
0: (laughs) yes i i I think um you know i i suspect my beard might grow grow a bit longer i think if i said that i wasn't going to shave until uh no time star is released i I think i would basically look like i've been living in the woods for about 20 years which might well be true we don't know
2: um terry how are you what is the purpose of such an intimate
0: question? Ah <laughs> uh, yes. We are we are on to a a good place with uh, from Russia with love. It is um, if you listen, if you've a longtime listener, um, you will know that this film topped our world cup of bonds uh, roughly about four years ago so um it's obviously a film that we've got a lot of affection for um and yet we've gone back through uh, certainly the more canon and reassessed this and opinions have gone up and down um but i'll start with uh with graham first um From Rush With Love, widely uh, critically acclaimed as as one of the uh, best Bond films of all time. Has watching it with fresh critical eyes dampened that opinion for you, or have you still come away with a great love for the second entry into the canon? Uh,
1: A lot of love for it. Uh, Yeah, my viewing it with critical eyes, looking at it, uh, trying to analyse it rather than just let it wash over me, which I have probably done for the last... 40 times I've watched the film and that's a quite a conservative estimate. Uh it, it 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 was good to to welcome an old friend back and 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 it's still enjoyable, still enjoyable after all this this time. Uh it was interesting for me looking at it after Dr. No uh and seeing how things had changed in that in just a short period of time there was between the two. So it was it was good to talk, to look at it on that respect and also as well looking at from from the on the analytical side to to looking at where it was going the direction it was it was he- it was heading. Um there there are some things that I I noticed more this time though. Uh and uh I hope we're going to get onto those later. So it, it it's, it's certainly in the way that it's
0: constructed and why they don't make Bond films like this anymore. Terry, it's a very different film from dr no there are elements that uh, of, of course from this have become bond canon but i think if if you sort of ripped apart bond films and did a kind of analysis of of the common dna there's a lot in there but this is a a really really different film from the films either side of it from from goldfinger and dr no isn't it it's a it's a stepping stone if you like from sort of
2: like the first james bond film which wasn't necessarily aware of of what kind of format it was going to to take to being the fully formed James Bond adventure, uh, if you like, almost out of the box James Bond format uh, uh, of Goldfinger, uh, and I think it it's it's better for it in many ways, in my opinion, or it's certainly for me uh, a lot more enjoyable for it. Uh, in many ways, I, I, my opinion of, of Goldfinger has gone down uh, over the years, whereas from Rush of Love, my opinion has gone has gone up. And and my latest rewatch of this uh, just a few hours ago, I, I must confess, I wasn't able to look upon it with the kind of critical gaze that Graham was. I I, I watch this film quite regularly. Uh, I, I'm not a, a, a relative newcomer to it. I'm intimately familiar with it. And I just I just adore it. I love uh, the pace of the film. I love the photography. I think Sean Connery's acting is just superb. I think he's a, se- a sensational Bond. Uh, there are the iniv- inevitable early '60s problematic elements to it, which I guess we can talk about, uh, but we kind of, you know, we, we don't need to. Um, it, for me, it, it's 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 a extremely well-paced spy genre. Come James Bond adventure, uh, and uh, and it's it's a fan, it's fantastic
0: right from the very very beginning. Mm, Graham, it is like spy seems like a, a pretty good place to start. I mean Bond is is a spy, but I think when you look at all the Bond films, this is probably the one that feels closest to spy. for, for me, I think you could probably take um, a lot of you could probably strip it back not very, by very much take out some of the slightly more bondish elements or some slightly more some of the slightly more over the top elements and you've got a film which wouldn't have necessarily been out of place if you wrote the plot down and said that it was written by graham green or john le Carre. no certainly certainly uh, the the book
1: itself is done in a in, in a very similar vein. But Bond doesn't turn up till quite a way into the book, does he? So right. it, it yes, is right. all about what's going on with other people. So it, it's almost a Schmirsch book with James Bond mm-hmm. in it. And and of course when it comes into being a film, they it it's not Schmirsch anymore, it's it's Spectre. Uh in the book Spectre is actually the device. Uh, the 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 lecture is actually called the specter um it's confusing enough so uh specter <laughs> with lector and a defector um yeah it's it's, it's uh, <laughs> someone's got 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 a rap about about this i'm sure somewhere somewhere <laughs> down, down the road um but that's part of what makes this so different and and what i was saying before about why the film can't be made nowadays um because this film and th- this happened quite a lot in the in the connery era films was the audience knows more than bond does throughout the ho- well virtually the whole of the first two two-thirds of the film uh, right up until he works out what's going on with him with with grant uh and, and up to that point it, it, he's playing catch-up all the time when the audience knows the the, the whole plan and why grant's saving his life supposedly or killing off all the the uh, the bad guys uh and you see this again in another of the of, of the spectre films with uh thunderball but you don't really see it that to any degree uh after the connery era so it, it is a change of writing and it's a change of way that the of pace and and of the audience involvement now you can make arguments whether or not that that type of filmmaking is better or worse, but it is different. And in From Russia with Love, it works really well. In Thunderball, it doesn't work so well. In Thunderball, the 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 tension is gone, and you you just want to see Bond more on the screen rather than than the than the Spectre lackeys that are that are confusingly running around and swapping over bodies and people looking like each other. Yeah, it, it gets a bit Shakespearean there in that respect. Um, but in From Russia with Love, it works really well, and it's surprisingly that uh, it's really surprising that it does work well because uh, Richard Maybrown was rewriting it all the way through the early shots. One of its co-stars, sadly. Uh, was diagnosed with a terminal illness very early on in shoot in shooting, and they had to reschedule all the shootings to 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 try and get uh, his his scenes in. A lot of what makes this film work was done in post production with uh, Peter Hunt and Terrence Young, just basically splicing up the film, changing the direction of the film in certain places. Um, it was to make this what it is, and and it works. It could easily have been an absolute horror show of a film. But it, it, it completely works.
0: Mm, we've we've certainly seen that. Um, you now, if you look at a, almost a little bit of a rule of thumb of of the bonds with probably the, it, to a certain extent the exception of, of Dalton because he only made two movies, but um, certainly when you look at the second Moore entry, the second Craig entry, and and, and the second Brosnan entry, where they uh, they they rush out a film to to capitalise on the success of the first one. It sometimes can end up with a bit of a mess. Um, Quantum of Solace obviously was was one that famously had a lot of a uh, slightly troubled um, production and a lot of rewriting going on there. Man with a Golden Gun is is a bit of a clunker, and um, Tomorrow Never Dies just just feels a bit half baked um, coming out of it. And and yet, Terry, what we we've got here is a is a wonderfully fully formed film that, as, as Graham said, it could have so easily gone completely all over the place. But there, there's something about this film that just is very taught and holds it together. And again, from from the first minute that you you get in, and, and it takes, you know, it takes a long time for Bond to appear in, in general in this film, um, this film knows again this like we've talked about with any good Bond film and its DNA this film knows what it is even if it doesn't quite know or didn't know in production exactly how it was going to get there it knew exactly what it wanted to be and what it wanted to do you get that sense. Well they had the
2: advantage of having Fleming's original novel to guide them so obviously it does deviate from the novel uh, although I must confess it's been a few years since I've read the novel in full Um, But it does deviate from there. But when you've got that that sort of acting as the foundations for your story, then, yeah, the subsequent rewrites that you have to do, driven by circumstances and indeed uh, tragic circumstances in some cases, you know, at least you've got that that to fall back on. I think the movie's strength also is, again, like as Graham points out, the, the, the book, the novel takes a while before James Bond turns up. And although proportionately James Bond turns up a lot quicker in From Rush Love, you know we don't see him apart from the, you know the henchman who is assassinated by by Grant, or the guy wearing the wearing the mask, the, the Connery mask uh, in in the pre credit sequence. We don't see him in, in, for a few scenes, but I think the setup at the after the after the opening credits, the way that that's done, the the chess match, which is beautifully rendered by 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 Sid Kane. And then that scene between Kleb, Kronstein, and Blofeld, I think clearly, yeah, informs the viewer as to actually, you know, how this movie's gonna play out in front of everybody. Um, but does so in such a way as to leave an awful lot of the detail ambiguous. Whereas I think because Thunderbolt's plot was a lot clunkier, it, it wasn't able to do that. So, you know, if you find yourself like watching Robert Shaw as he's drifting around in the shadows for the, for what, I don't know, two thirds of this movie, you know, and you know, what, you know, you, you, you do, if you sit and think about it, obviously, you know what he's doing and why he's doing it. But of course the absolute particulars aren't entirely there. And you do know that he's an adversary. And I think that that brings in just a little bit of an additional intrigue. And, you know, you've got things like, things like the the, the assassination of um, Bulgarian uh, KGB agents or Russian agents uh, and and just these little interventions from Kleb, the the filming of the of the, the of the bedroom <laughs> you know, uh, antics of of uh, you know that, and just things like that just add that extra touch of menace that I think just keep keep the audience gripped and engaged with it, uh, even you know in in a way that as you know as as Graham says in, in other movies you know they've not been able to do. And so I think that 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 sets the film up really, really well. And it becomes, a, for the first part, a kind of an intriguing spy caper and then turns into a more, dare I say, formulaic kind of action
0: action chase movie. Graham, I mean, the, the, to move on from what Terry said with the, um, you know, with the fact that the villains actually take up a, a lot of this film, um, you can sometimes see it, and again, there are some Bond films and there are some some um, other films which are influenced by Bond that try and cram too many villains in. And From Russian With Love does have a lot, but again, and it's got a cracking cast as well, which, which really helps in terms of, you know, Lottie Lenya, Robert Shaw are both absolutely fantastic in it. You've, you've essentially got four or five villains and minor adversaries You don't necessarily have much in the way of kind of henchmen. There's a lot of equalness in there. And, In again, in some some hands that could end up being a bit of a mess because the producer, the director might not necessarily know who to focus on, or you have one actor who just dominates the screen over others. But because you've got this kind of almost level of, um, I guess, organised villainry, and you know where everybody sits in, it doesn't feel like that that you need to spend time working out what the motivations of, of the villains are, the plot drives it for them, which makes it a little bit better. Um, overall, than some of the other Bond films with with a bloated villain, um, yeah, with a bloated set of villains in there.
1: Yeah, certainly we've seen uh, uh, we've seen other films we've talked about in, in in on the past on this podcast where you feel like certain characters have been underused uh, and some have been overused, should we say? In 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 From Russia with Love, there is there is certainly a feeling that. Spectre is going to be around for uh, for a while, and you're in a series of films here that, that these people are going to come back. The ones who survive are going to be back. So, and and they actually kill most of them off. They they still keep quite a few of them there, uh, but you can see that that they could have kept. Kronstein. there they didn't they chose to get rid of him and 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 it really adds something really powerful to that that the, the, the fact that we don't see him a lot there but you the fact that they give each other numbers helps you quite a lot doesn't it because it shows you where they are in the pecking order doesn't it um and and so you can you, you already get a, an idea of what the uh what the organizational chart looks like inspector uh and and so that gives you an idea of how big it is. That gives you a, a, a sense of scale to, to the whole thing, which really helps. Obviously, if you're dealing with something like the Russian army or a, or, a, or a wayward general, then you only need to show one because you know there's loads of other generals around. You know he's part of that. But when you're thinking of a, of a fictional uh Construct like Spectre. You you do need that scale. You do need to have a big room with lots of people from with lots of different ac- accents to get that impression that across that this is a, a global thing or this is actually a lot bigger than you think it is.
0: Mm. And there's also the other thing that I find really fascinating with From Russia with Love, and again watching it a little bit critically, is actually how little screen time Bond actually shares with any of the villains. The the scene with with Robert Shaw in the um, in the train is fantastic. That still is just one of I think the the best action sequences or the best sequences of the whole franchise. It's so taut and and quite brutal as well. But yeah, he's this is three quarters of the way in and he's only just encountered Grant. It take he doesn't get to meet Rosa Klebb until the very final reel and even then doesn't really to no, say he never gets to meet um, the off-screen blowfeld or, or Kronstein and only briefly gets to to lock horns albeit from afar with the Bulgarian killer who just sort of serves as a little bit of a, a an interesting side plot so um it's less almost a film. It's almost you've got two films there for me, Terry. You've got a film about villainry, and then you've also got the driving force of the film for Bond is not the villains. It's his friendship with Karen Bay.
2: Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you you said that because that is a a, a massive component in in that film. It, it, it does it, at times it, it's a, it's like a really great buddy movie, isn't it? That um, there's clearly. I think that there's a, obviously a huge tragedy about uh, 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 Pedro Armandares who, 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 who died during produ- essentially during production of the film or after he had finished um, his part of the production. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I would imagine that he was expected to carry on a, a lot longer and, and who knows, maybe, maybe not actually have died uh, in the the character may not have been died, which then of course wouldn't have set off this, Trope of friends of James Bond getting literally killed and thrown into a dumpster and, and 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 murdered, which which tends to be a bit of a a bit of a thing sometimes for for, for friends of Bond during a during the franchise. Um, but the relationship and the friendship that those two earned uh, had uh, it was 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 I thought very endearing. At the assassination of Krylenko, for example. Mm-hmm. Was a was a was a really uh, a bonding moment, uh, and it was it was great to see, and uh, and the the endearing. I mean, you know, you got to see uh, an element, you know, of, of Bond's character where he's clearly allowed. I mean, yes, okay, he sleeps with many women, uh, um, uh, but but, it, but the the aspect of him befriending and being close friends with someone, and you could you could feel it in some of the dialogue and some of the voice acting. Um, Of Sean Connery uh, that there was genuine kinship between the two characters I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about the gypsy scene in more detail later, but again Leading up from there and and the periscope and and it's it's a fantastic bromance that those two Have got going on and it was tragic still remains. I'm still sad every time every time Karen Bay dies. He's he's such an enjoyable engaging fun character uh, I, I I absolutely love the guy and uh, and and it really makes makes uh, gives the 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 film an added added
0: charm that other other bond movies can lack frankly mm, there 's a lot of um and, and this is something that I think happens a bit in certainly the first two films um and perhaps you don't get quite as much in the last films, partly because sometimes some of the the friends are, aren't necessarily quite as well written, or or the the way that they uh, they pass out isn't. Um, Quite as as well formed, but we talked in Doctor No of of just actually the fact that Quarrel's death has a bit of an emotional heft because again you can see that Connery has done a fantastic job of of building up that rapport with his his co-stars, even though he's he's a man that really dominates the screen. And again you can see that that element of of building up the friend with um friendship with Karen Bay, um and Graham while well from Rush with Love. It has some elements that, uh, that start to become part of almost the, the cliched or stereotypical Bond film. But one that I, I think it, it's done here with Karen Bay and probably never really quite achieves that level, although there's a, a few great elements throughout the franchise, is that Karen Bay type character who recurs all the way through. And there's, there's some um, characters in latter films which you wish had more screen time, and they fully developed into a Karen Bay like. And then there's others who are clearly tried to be put into there, but but don't quite work. And in the latter, I'm, I'm kind of thinking Robbie Coltrane's character sort of falls into that a little bit. But then you've got For Your Eyes Only, which, which has that wonderful sort of scene as, as they start to get through with Toffle. And you just go, ah oh, man, I wish we'd had more of that in this film.
1: Yeah, certainly. Yeah, uh, uh Topples' character there is a perfect example of one where it worked out right. Um I suppose they're still doing it. I mean, you look at at the role of Mathis in uh, in uh, Casino mm, Royale Mathis. and they, and then bring him back again in in uh, uh, again afterwards. That sort of thing about having having a buddy for Bond, which I suppose a lot of the time was was taken up with Felix, but Felix wasn't really really afraid. He was a, he was a, he was a colleague, wasn't he? He was, a, he was an mm. associate. Whereas uh, these are genuine people who are, who are, who are in a life and death situation with, with bond, with, with feet on the ground, aren't they? Uh, and, and it, it, it sort of helps you bring it helps you bring across the the fact of of the complexity of bond's character because he's not just this this killer this lone gunman who walks around the world and and kills people. It and it's part of the difference between him and grant. You can't see grant forming a friendship with someone like that. Most of 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 the of the of the differences between grant and bond are put down to class in this film where obviously you know Bond being the, 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 the connoisseur, um, turns his nose up at, at, at Grant's incorrect choice of wine uh, and, and highlights his, his lack of class. But also as well, the, the whole thing about when when, um, when Grant gets the drop on Bond and the first thing he does is take his money. And, it, and, it, and I, I like to think that, that Bond registers that in his negotiations with him and that's why he tries to outbid him. Because uh, he knows he's taken his money, and he knows he's just a thief. There is no class to this guy, and and that's that that adds a layer of difference between them. But as I say, you, you can you can't see Grant forming a friendship like that with someone. There, there is no one amongst these, I suppose.
0: Staying for a minute on on Robert Shaw and Grant, who is he's absolutely chilling, and I think you can again. You can, you can see a lot of villains that have been tried to be moulded in the Grant style. I mean, I, you kind of think almost to a certain point of, of Silver has a, a touch of the Grants about him as well, albeit um, gone in a slightly different direction with, with Javier Bardem. Um, but in terms of that, oh, sorry, Greg. Well, actually, what
1: I want to say about this was how much I could have seen uh, Daniel Craig as Grant. On the on this on this rewatch, there is some bits, especially in the in the yeah. bit where, where him and and, and Connery are, are together on the screen, you just think this this is where you're getting your Bond from, isn't it? You're not getting it from Connery, <laughs>
2: you're getting
0: it from Grant, aren't you? Yeah, that's a fascinating point. You can well, we've talked a lot about could you interchange any other Bond for this movie, and you know Craig is possibly the closest one that comes into from Russia with Love, but totally Craig has that that slightly dead inability to, to form relationships and, and is just has a very single-minded mindset whereas Bond strangely in this film actually come which he doesn't always in, in other films comes across as an incredibly rounded character because of the relationships that he builds with with um, the other characters around him which is, is I think again part of the strength in there it doesn't just portray Bond as a As a superman who's able to do anything and it doesn't just portray Bond as, as, you know, when you talk about this ruthlessly efficient killer as well. For me, actually, that's, and I know we'll we'll come to that when we touch a bit more on the Daltons um, later on, um, at some point, not in this podcast, but in in subsequent ones. But I think that's why I like the Dalton films, because he feels a bit more of a rounded person than perhaps some of the other um, portrayals of Bond within there. But yeah, certainly, Terry. You couldn't look at this film in particular and see the likes of of Moore or Brosnan being able to carry off this film in a way that Connery does. Certainly, I was. I'm kind of like thinking of the moment when Bond first meets um, Tatiana Romanov in in the flesh. Um, Connery plays that one with a very straight bat. He knows what he's gone in there for, and and you can tell that there is a a level of kind of odd cynicism, whereas I did try and think of more doing that, and I just, much as I love Roger, I could not see him pulling it off in the same way that that Connery does in here. Well, of course he wouldn't have to put it off himself. Well, um, quite. I, I,
2: um, yes, I I, uh, I I see what you're saying. I think Roger would have uh, 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 added more humour to the uh, to to the to the situation. I think maybe. Uh, and I think that roger and, and it would have been a lot more knowing that he knows he's kind of being played, whereas I think you 're right I think Connery played it he's much 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 straighter, and that scene is electric it, it really is it's very audacious um you know it, it 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 switches around that the 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 role reversals the traditional stereotypical sort of like behaviors that you expect, and particularly I would imagine that you would have expected in a kind of post-war post-war uh, world you know you wouldn't you wouldn't i'm not saying it didn't happen <laughs> but you wouldn't expect on film to see such sort of uh, uh, you know expressive sexuality from uh, from from a leading lady in this manner jumping into bed and enticing the man to come in effectively seducing the man rather than the other way around um but of course then it's you know, we can get we can get tied up a little bit there because obviously she is acting under orders and arguably is being coerced into it but let's let's not reflect too much on that because uh, yeah, everyone is kind of following orders but uh, I, th- I, think, I mean I think Craig could have could have effortlessly gone into that movie and acted as James Bond or as grant um but also I think they would he would have provided the kind of character depth uh, of the, that Sean Connery offered as well um while at the same time um being yeah being the sort of what was he described psycho paranoia paranoiac i think was how he was described grant in, in 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 his introduction i don't know whether that term is actually real to be honest with you but yeah i mean but that was quite important when they said that there they say they're telling the audience that grant is is mad insane to all intents and purposes a psychopath and the difference between him and you know james bond is you know Okay, they both go around the world killing people. James Bond is a, you know, obviously has a higher purpose, king and country, and all of that, but also is a is a human being and is therefore somebody to sympathise with. He is capable of making friends and relationships, whereas whereas Grant is incapable of of, of doing that, and and that's very very important. Otherwise, you, you you know, the audience doesn't really have any sympathy or, or or for for any of the characters otherwise and you know and it just becomes a complete waste of time
0: yeah it's characters are, are fascinating as well and and moving on my song from from grant um graham to um daniela bianchi's uh, tatiana romanov and i mean she is a, 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 they, they i think they've cast her perfectly in there because she's absolutely stunning and you can you she's very believable but watching it back this time and actually kind of you know with that level of analysis you don't let the film wash over you quite as much and what I picked up on which I don't think I'd really done before is there is a kind of odd level of ambiguity with with Tatiana Romanov and I, I think if you kind of put down the Bond girls she might not know well I don't think she would would kind of ever be there as top topping the list or, or even being the most memorable but I found it fascinating that You've got this kind of the trope, which comes out quite a lot in latter bonds of, oh, James, oh, James, and just being a bit helpless. But there is a a kind of the backstory that you've got there. You know that she's not an espionage agent and she's caught up in something that's a bit bigger than her. Um, And she's essentially having to trust this man who, frankly, she knows probably won't necessarily believe her. And she's trying to work out where she stands. She obviously has a, a a big loathing, and she's done been coerced into it under duress from from Claire. But she knows she's got to keep up the pretense, and you can see that in in that scene where they're they're filming on the boat and Bond's asking her questions. And that I thought was a really interesting one because you can see that she's the the way that her mannerisms. She's desperately trying to convince this secret agent that she's in love, and Bond is just incredibly professional, which perhaps wouldn't have necessarily come across in in sort of later on in the franchise, because there would have been more flirting and kind of knowing in this Bond is, is just, tell me what I need to know. I, I'm here on a job, and I'm not entirely sure about you. But then you can kind of see that affection start to develop a little bit further, especially once Bond realizes that she's much more of an innocent player in in this overall because you can just tell that that kind of level of distrust and and one one side trying not to fall for the other too much but at the same point they depend on each other for their relationship and there is a kind of level of pretend that suddenly starts becoming less pretend and and a bit more real as you go through i'm not entirely convinced
1: the interplay between all the characters is intentional i think they just play it straight as as yeah she's she's uh she she's falling in love with him I I don't think that they've really got into the whole sort of intrigue. Oh, actually I'm a spy. I'm actually pretending to love you, but I'm not actually in love with you. What I'm actually doing is I'm trying to convince you that I'm actually working for the Russians, but I'm not actually working for Russians because I'm secretly not actually working for them. I'm working for a secret organization who have actually employed someone who I think is my boss, but actually she's actually defected. Um, So, uh, yeah i i think she just goes yeah i, I yeah, he's pretty fit i I, I, could, I could probably see myself shagging him yeah all right yeah i'll i'll go along with this um so yeah i i i i think she does really well in it um another uh, great uh, voice talent from uh, Nikki van der zyl who I, I i didn't want to <laughs> um to criticize in the last film but yeah yeah she 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 does do a great job of, uh, of doing the voice work of, of the leading ladies in these early Bond films, but does give that sort of like one, one sort of cadence of a uh, of, of voice there. Um, but Daniela Bianchi, she, she plays this great. She, she is, she, she does come across as someone in, in quite a classical spy film trope, isn't it? Of the innocent person being caught up or, or, or low ranking person being caught up in something much higher so it's often used in spoofs isn't it where like the lowest ranking person in british intelligence or or whatever intelligence the cia agent who is just basically someone who gets the coffee suddenly ends up being working replacing the master spy it it, it makes a lovely lovely sort of like a, a spoof spy film but this time it's being played in as far as bond goes seriously and and as as terry says it, it, well as you say it's it, it you know, this could have been a Graham Greene. It could have been a John Le Carre with the level of intrigue involved. But you can just have a character that, that that plays it straight all the way through, and because everything else is so intriguing around it, you get caught up in it and you'll start overanalyzing some a, a role that really there isn't much <laughs> to.
0: But well, you say this could have been a Graham Greene film, or or, or you know, and. and- have been curry films i i mentioned earlier and terry um this also probably could have been a hitchcock film especially with the helicopter chases in here
2: yeah can i also quickly toss in eric ambler as well this could have been an adaptation (laughs) of an eric eric ambler novel as well and and it would have been as, as as much fun i do love those early Eric, Eric Amber novels. Um, yes, the, uh, the crop dusting scene and the uh, helicopter chase, uh, it, 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 it are, it are very familiar. And, and I mean, I, I mean, I, I think are acknowledged sort of like a, 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 as a direct homage to, uh, to, um, to North by Northwest. We talked about this in our last podcast about how much there were echoes of North by Northwest in, in Dr. No. And, and I, I must confess when we were having that conversation, I had forgotten, about the helicopter sequence at the at, close to the end of from rush love and, and of course how very very close that is when I mean, that is a a, 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 a gripping scene Te- technically obviously not as sophisticated as as it will be in using modern cinema techniques but but still for all of that uh, you know, it has the, the right necessary components of suspense in it. The helicopter hanging over and the, the guy with, you know, with the hand grenade and the one shot, because we know he's only got one shot because he told they told us earlier in the movie that, that, that those that, that sniper rifle only has one shot. And uh, and it was a it was just an excellent climax and worked really well. And, and it's extremely satisfying to watch. Sneaky bad guys using hand grenades end up getting hoist by their own petard. Um, so yeah, it's an extremely
0: satisfying scene. Yeah, there's there's so much that's satisfying. Um, Terry, before um, as, as we kind of you know trying to to be objective, although I it, think it's fair, we all love this film. Um, let's talk about the gypsy scene. Um, yes. What's your feelings towards that? I love it. <laughs> Thank you. I love it. I
2: love it. <laughs> sizzling gypsies. It's got sizzling gypsies in it. I love it. I probably shouldn't. I probably should be, should, should, shouldn't, I should probably be, be deeply troubled by the stereotypical portrayal of gypsies in this film. But I just love it because it's got like belly dancing and it's got fighting and it's got girls fighting and it's got gunfights and it's got more girls and it's got Rocky, and it's great. And I just love it. I'm sorry. I just
0: do. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very it's it's one of those scenes that is incredibly iconic. And I don't think you could have probably done that scene almost at any other time in history. It's almost like a, it's a it's a moment of its time that fits in with the film.
1: Yeah, I think obviously you can look on it straight as 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 like Bond just going and and hanging around with some some gypsies, a couple of girls fighting, and 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 then a gunfight breaking out. But I I I choose to look at it on a, on a deeper level where I I think that this is the pivotal part of the film, and I think we're we're reaching the midpoint of the film, and 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 Bond is really exploring his relationship with uh, with Karen Bay, and uh, then
0: a couple of girls come out and fight, and it's great. <laughs> it's great it's fucking marvelous <laughs> it's so it's 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 so
2: that i mean that fight even i've i've seen that fight so many times and it is so gripping it's a great fight do you know why it really do, is. do you know why it's so it's
1: so, so good it's because it's completely it, it, it it's completely staged it, it's so kayfabe it, it is and you don't care <laughs> you don't care it, it's more like a dance it really is it's more like a dance the way the way the way they approach it and it, it's all the better for it right if it, if they did that today yeah you know, it would be visceral it would be horrible it would be there would be blood there'd be teeth there'd be there'd be gouging and everything not in this one no it's not it's it is it is you know, of course it's violent it, it's very very emotional you, you get it gets the blood pumping certainly but it adds so much to it because it's got this quality of being a, of a dance. It, it, it is it is perfect. Go on, Gary. You, you you have a say about it. Go on.
0: It's one of those scenes that, again, you you watch and and Bond films as a whole. Like it doesn't pay to overanalyse them um, too much. And there's some which are the, the worst ones are the ones which are. Problematic well, should have been problematic at the time and become more problematic now. Whereas this one, you certainly get a sense that it was done because there was an element of Bond and that exoticness that, that Bond brings. But it is a real, as you say, it's a really interesting, pivotal point. It shows Bond in a slightly different light. It is it's a plot device that perhaps yeah as you say if you use today i think it would be very uncomfortable and you can i'm sure that again we talk about some people who might be new to bonds and only familiar with craig's bond and look at it through through eyes in the 21st century and i think there is might be a level of uncomfortableness but when you look at it as a as a film as a whole you you realize where it kind of sits in there and i'm I'm probably a little bit more on the fence, but it doesn't stop it being a really gripping piece of cinema in there. It's just something which is very unusual and doesn't really come up too much further in in the Bond films. And and again, it's one of those areas where you do get a sense throughout from Russia with love that Bond is a little bit out of his comfort zone and out of his depth, which you don't necessarily get. In a lot of bond and i think it just again it serves it serves a purpose that isn't yes it is slightly gratuitous but at the same point it serves a purpose that it develops bond even that little bit further it develops the relationship with bond and karen bay a little bit further as well and then you've got the um the the attack on the gypsy camp and bond just looking absolutely bewildered all the way through there so it's uh yeah, it, it's a key part of the film. I cannot imagine the film without it, and I think if you took that scene out, it would be an all the more horror for it. Yeah, yeah,
2: absolutely. Agreed. It's a tremendous... I mean, the, 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 the battle sequence is, is, is tremendous fun. We see it that, yeah, Bond is vulnerable in this in, in, in this section of the film, I and mean, he has to get bailed out by, by, by Grant at, at, at one point. He gets his life saved uh, by him, you know, and you know, and I love the way that there's that one point in it when he's just like wandering around just like, you know Causing trouble turning over tables and just like helping out mates and only helping out helping out that like his host as well Saving his life and and all of that. It's just it's just there's it's just complete chaos for a moment and I mean yeah in general you can you can you know you could you can talk about the portrayal of of, of Romany gypsies in this but you know, and certainly the the girl fight the, you know these two girls fighting over a bloke i mean it's not very modern is it um it's got to be said um But I mean, I just think it's one of these situations where when you put it in this movie, it just works extremely well and it's a tremendous amount of fun. And you know, yeah, and all, you know, joking aside, Graham is right, it does advance the story and the plot along a little bit more as well. So it's not a completely useless and entirely gratuitous scene. (laughs) But at the same time, it is massive, massive fun.
0: Mm. Um, Graham, when we we look at um, everything that goes into From Russia With Love, um, we talked a lot about in our Dr. No podcast about how Dr. No, despite being the first film in, established a lot of the um, framework for bonds going forward. Now, from Russia with Love, I think stands out by its its framework is is a little different, as we've already said, from other films. But again, when you then look through this is a second Bond film, the franchise is, is definitely finding its feet. It's a much bigger budget. It's much more confident. As well, but how much of From Russia with Love do you um, take forward and see how it sort of permeates through other Bonds, or is is it really the next film that will come to you, Goldfinger that almost establishes that template a bit more, and that allows From Russia with Love to be a bit more um, not loose with the framework because it wasn't established, but but still explore different avenues into how Bond actually how a Bond movie is actually put together.
1: Yeah, well, I think from what I've I've said said earlier in the in in the podcast, there are there are elements in the storytelling that they they make here that that they they don't do after the '60s. Um, uh, so yes, you're seeing uh, a lot of elements in here that you will see that run throughout the films. But I think what I I noticed on watching it this time uh, with my analytical hat on. Uh, which is rather fetching, and you should get one. (laughs) But watching it again was, was thinking, I reckon this is the only Bond film Sam Mendes has actually seen. I, I really do. I, I really do think that. I think that this this is you know. Yeah, I, I don't think he's watched many more of them. But I think you know if you are going to watch one and 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 direct a Bond film, then then you know this is this is one to go for. The one 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 scene in it that I I thought that was something that that he that he'd used was the bit when. Kleb uh, and Tatiana uh, are in the uh, uh, are having their debrief right at the start of the film, and there's that hand on the knee, and that took me back to Silver and Bond, and that in that sort of thing, just to say it's exactly this. This is this is what fifty odd years apart, and this is you're, you're you're using that same energy there. You've you've taken that energy in in a in something that was very sixty-fied, but perhaps a bit racy for its time, and so that fifty years on, you can still get that sort of frisson of, of of people getting a bit oh I wasn't expecting that in in modern times and and he used that quite well I thought um but even things like when they're down in the in the there's the boat where him and Karim are on the boat in the in the sewers and I thought this is this is just like the bit with with Bond and Tanner going underneath uh, underneath MI6 isn't it where, where, they, where they're getting off the boat and and th- th- just little tiny things the the tunnels under skyfall are very much that like like the the escape from the from the russian from the russian embassy there's lots of stuff in there that that you you there's lots of imagery i've seen that from the from the craig films that are in this film and i think it's just because it's so good and and that's why there is lots of the, the DNA from this film throughout the the rest of the fran- of the franchise because it, it there are lots of things in there that you remember. You may not remember it's from this film, but there are they are things that you you remember. Uh, <laughs> well, I was looking at the belly dancer because I, I was analysing it quite quite closely for 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 the sake Oof. of of, uh, of of rigorous debate. Um, I thought, now this is a much better belly dancing scene than the one in uh, Man with the Golden Gun. So like this is I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Even though the first thing in my head when she started doing a, a little belly rolls was, I've lost my um, oh,
0: <laughs> charm. <rocking your hands, laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, Terry, do you have a, a similar kind of view to, to um, how From Russia With Lovers influenced Mendes Bond? Um, yeah, I do.
2: I mean, also, I think it's probably worth uh, thinking about those, uh, again, just talk about the helicopter sequence, which is, was filmed in the uh, Scottish Highlands as well, which has got... And I rem- when I, I, I when I saw the, the the pickup truck driving through that scene, which is obviously supposed to be somewhere in Yugoslavia, but is in fact Scotland, and, and I was reminded actually of, of in a way I was reminded of of, of it, it gave me the same vibe as the as the sequences in you know when they're driving up to Skyfall in Skyfall. Uh, so I don't know whether or not that that's that makes so yeah maybe it's true. I mean maybe Mendez only watched from Russia of Love. Um, <laughs> And then decided to just 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 to go with that and just bring the movie back to that. I mean, if you're going to, I mean, commercial movie, the other way around it is a Russia to be such an influential film on the franchise. And I wonder whether or not perhaps it's the, for, for creators who want to make a James Bond film. You now, maybe you, you've got like auteur directors who probably will never, ever get to make a James Bond film. If you were to do a poll of them and say, what's your favourite James Bond movie? I wonder how many of them
0: would say from Russia with Love. And I wouldn't mind betting that it will be quite a few. Mm, It's great. It's one of those films that um, is potentially unusual in the Bond uh, franchise. That It's not just a, a cracking film that gets good reviews as a good action movie, but it also has and still has, you know, 60 years on a lot of critical acclaim
1: yeah totally and I, I think it it's one of those ones i don't know if it's had a period where people just thought it looked a bit out of date maybe it did in the in the late 70s or the early 80s or something mm. where where you where you'd only see it on tv or something like that also as well you have to be familiar with the franchise i think to actually enjoy it i think I think a lot of people who are uh, who are less familiar with it will tend to go with Goldfinger as the better film and it is seen as the more archetypal film, especially the more archetypal um connery film when I say you have to be quite familiar with the franchise i i think you you probably have to seen quite a few of them or be interested in seeing more of the films um i i I can't imagine anyone who who enjoys the film maybe maybe younger um people who've been introduced to, to, to the franchise through Craig, I, I can't imagine many people of our age uh, who wouldn't have this in their top four, really. And I, and I think that's partly because it's, it is, uh, it's such a good film, but also as well, is that I think it, it is perhaps Connery at the, the point where he's enjoying Bond the most. Uh, and I think that 's really important. I think he he really does does get into this, and I think you see that with all his co his co actors there as well everyone he has everyone he 's on screen with he has a real bond with and and they and they really do interact well and and I think that that just 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 seeks through you don 't have to analyze the film to see that that 's just something that will sink into you mm,
0: there 's sometimes a Terry when I think just the whole um, the whole elements of the production all come together and all all work particularly well in there and that's probably one of them um if we were kind of going to to start wrapping up the podcast um we came into this with uh from Russia with Love completely as as the number one um chosen after an incredibly um thoughtful and rigorous World Cup of Bonds uh the first time out but um Rewatching it again and having spent a long time, obviously we've we've analysed a lot of the Moore films. We're starting to do the same with the Connery films in depth. Um, for you, it still, as Graham said, would hang up as a top four film, regardless of how you look at it and when you look at it. Uh,
2: yes. Um. Short answer. Slightly longer answer is is that I do think you do have to make certain concessions for the film's age um and and the 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 technical sophistication of the movie um you just have to acknowledge that that it's it is a film made in 1963 um and so yeah it will have certain technical limitations that some you know palettes just won't be able to enjoy you know some 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 fans might not necessarily be able to enjoy yeah i mean younger fans you know who may not be able to make those kind of concessions might look at from Russia of love and say, yeah, it's just too cheap. It's too, too, you know, um, you know, it's just too basic, you know, technically, but, you know, at the same time, uh, if any technical failings are just let down slightly by, by the movies, sort of like, you know, action and and, uh, adventure ambitions, but it is a beautifully rendered movie. Sid Kane is the production designer who does an absolutely outstanding job. Some of the some of the scenes are, are excellent. The Orient Express sequence, which we've we've we, we've talked about a little bit, but it, I think is just reflecting on how this movie turns into this kind of train movie. You know, sort of like about halfway through, which is tremendous fun. The 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 under just to reiterate what Graham has said about the under underground scenes in Istanbul. You know the, the the sequences in Istanbul, filming in San Sofía, You know, I mean, it, it's it's a it's a gorgeous film. And again, I think this is where it probably owes itself to to Hitchcock a bit. I keep thinking of Topaz when I see some of the sequences in that in that Milne film. But I don't actually know if this film is before or after Topaz. I've got a feeling Topaz comes after this movie, funny enough. Or am I thinking of Tom? Torn, Torn Curtain. Anyway, um, it, it, it is it is in many respects an absolutely an objectively glorious, beautiful film to look at, uh, and has a few the occasional technical shortcoming to go with it. And um, it's got a, it's got an extremely well put together plot, especially under the circumstances. A tremendous ensemble, tremendous chemistry, and it's got an absolutely iconic soundtrack to it and this is John Barry's effectively his first James Bond soundtrack Uh, and I won't say it's his best that would be silly because it changes throughout the entire franchise but it has so many memorable cues in it uh, and, and 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 really lights lights a fire underneath this film so yeah I mean I think I've said before my favorite James Bond film I may have said once or twice my favorite James Bond film is on a majesty's secret service And I think objectively, perhaps, I still think that that is probably technically a probably a better movie, but that's because it's like about eight years older. But probably, actually, if you really wanted to be hypocritical, you'd have to say objectively the better film is from Russia with Love. And the big reason for that, of course, is Connery, who is just awesome. Uh, And and one of the things that's come out of this uh, is just how much Connery puts into both this this film and how much he put into dr no as well and i'm looking forward to with a degree of trepidation what happens in subsequent movies where it's quite well known that he starts to lose interest in the franchise and i'm wondering whether or not the last great james bond
0: performance is the next movie but we'll see we'll see Mm. it's uh, i can't wait to watch Goldfinger because it's it is one of my favorites and and a film that also I probably haven't sort of I, I just let wash over me quite a bit, but it's also probably the classic and I think we're we're all looking forward to doing that one. Um but Graham as as Terry said, you know, it holds up no matter which way you look at it, no matter how much you try to 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 poke holes in it. Does that ring true for you as well? You still put it after after watching it with a, with an incredibly serious and analytical element as, as you have done. And, you know, I thank you for your, your incredible attention to detail in the gypsy scene as well. Um, I know that you've, you put in a lot of time in terms of analyzing yes. that one. Your, um, com- your commitment to sizzling gypsies is admirable. Graham. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as a whole, does it still hang hang up for you as as like a top 3 top 4 bond film as as many people think it is uh, certainly certainly uh i don't think i i don't
1: think there is any other film in the franchise that i could watch as much as this as this film and still come away feeling like there are things that i haven't seen in it or things that i can still take away from it i think uh, most bond films once you've seen them Half a dozen times, you 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 pretty much rinsed them out, or you should have done. <laughs> you, you were probably hmm. looking at your phone a bit too much if you weren't. Um, but this this one, I I I just I just love. Uh, one thing one thing I I, I did I, I I did like about this uh, this film as well is that obviously the whole franchise gets a bit of stick for its product placement, and of course this 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 film has has product placement for one of their own films in it. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> one one of the key scenes in the film has a got a is a centered around a giant poster of called Mibwana. Uh, another Eon production uh, starring Bob Hope and, and Anita Ekberg. Uh, <laughs> I just thought, yeah, this is this is this is so. This is where this franchise is going, isn't it? It doesn't care where it <laughs> advertises or how it advertises. Uh, a, a, just a little tiny uh, aside. I've got I've got a, I've got a a, a, um, a trivia question for for you two guys now. Now Anita Ekberg, who was on the poster, was married to one of the actors who played Felix Leiter. One of the Felix Leiters. Now, can you tell me which Felix Leiter it was?
0: Gary, do you want to have a guess? Forgetting the actor's name, so I'm going to guess and say Goldfinger Felix Leiter.
1: Yeah, (laughs) uh, That would be Cess uh, Linda. Uh, Terry, who are you going for?
2: Yeah, I mean, I want to say Jack Lord because I think they just make an absolutely amazing couple. Uh, but my, my, but I'm, but I, but I think it's David. I suspect it might be David Hedison. Uh, I'm afraid I've got the right, correct. Uh, Gary, do you want to go for, for for a second guess? If you want
1: to, you can if you like, because because I'll tell you no, what.
2: No, I, I have. No, was, yeah, David Hedison not. was my final answer. That's David Hedison's
1: final answer. answer. Yeah. Okay, okay. It's I'm actually it was actually Rick Van
2: Nutter. Oh no! I knew that. I knew that. Oh God! I actually knew that. Stupid, stupid brain. Stupid brain. <laughs>
1: yes, the, the Felix from Thunderball. Oh. There you go. <laughs> the
2: best, the best part of Thunderball. No, that's that's not true. That's not true.
0: Oh dear! Should have kept your mouth shut. <laughs> Um, Yeah, I'll I'll just round it with my final thoughts as well. And one thing almost I I forgot to touch on, but I think bears bringing out here is just how much fun the the regular cast appears to be having as well. Because obviously this is the the first um, proper introduction of Q, although he's not Q, he's Boothroyd in in this film. But M and Moneypenny, especially Lois Maxwell, this is she, she just has effortlessly slipped in. And even if you've not met these characters because maybe you didn't watch Doctor No at the time and you saw From Russia with Love, at the f- was your first Bond film that you saw, you just get the world that they inhabit completely, um, and it's uh, it's just lovely to see that kind of develop in there and starting to see the early days of, of the, backs, uh, you know the the backstage Bond crew, the people who who enable him throughout, and that again was one of my favourites in that, and also it I struck me that I'd love to have seen. Um, just a continuation of Sylvia Trench all the way through the Bond films, because there's just something really quite lovely about her character in this as well, that she's just, um, there's just a lot of humour in there. And I wish they, they carried her through to potentially a few more, because there's just a nice little kind of, almost a, you could make that a very much a running gag all the way through, and it would have been uh, very enjoyable. Anyway, um, I think we, we can come to a place where we can say from Russia with love safely. Um, we we've tried we can't pick too much too many holes in it um it's like some of the other great Bond films uh, and ones that we've discussed in detail like spy who loved me no matter how much you try to criticize it you still come away going oh but it's just a really good film stop trying to overanalyze it and just enjoy and i get the same on there um so yeah that is from russia with love um Terry, you you looking forward to Goldfinger, given that you've said it's going down in your estimation or has gone down in recent years? Yeah, I'm
2: particularly looking forward to Goldfinger because it is going to be an opportunity for me to completely reappraise that film, I think, from scratch because I have a, 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 a peculiar uh, and oddly troubled past with Goldfinger. I have and at times loved that movie and at times I've actually been quite down on it. So I'm looking forward to... To assessing
0: it uh, as as a piece of work in its own right. And and Graham, you ready to carry forward the torch into uh, into Goldfinger as well? Oh, definitely, definitely. Looking forward to it. Excellent. And we hope that you listeners are also looking forward to it. And this will be a fun fact that actually Goldfinger is the first film that I was introduced to from the Bond franchise overall it's the first one that i can actually remember watching it is one of my dad's favorite bond films as well so yeah this is this is where we might get some more opinions come out in the next one (laughs) so it's going to be a therapy session for gary and his
2: daddy issues (laughs) actually goldfinger is the first james bond film i saw as
0: well i saw it on on the television yeah this is going to be a cracking episode, as they say in the final credits of From Rush With Love. Uh, Bond will return in Goldfinger. The odd job pod will return in Goldfinger. Um, but stay with us. And I hope that you're enjoying this as well. And to be honest, you know, at a time point in time when uh, we're recording, 2021 is, is, the start of it at least, is still quite a bit shit. What else are you going to do than just curl up and watch Goldfinger? I cannot think of a better way to spend your time. It's certainly how we'll be doing it. So join us, dear listeners, for the next step as we go deep into... I was going to say... I'm not going to say go deep into Pussy Galore because that would have just been very, very wrong. I stopped myself there. But we are going deep into Goldfinger at any rate. Um, We will see you for the Odd Job pod next time. Until then, goodbye. 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 Goodbye.